on a scale of one to five, and let's start with Eric, five being the highest, what level of stress do you experience because of this renovation? And is that level of stress the same as your financial stress or is it different? So what do you think, Eric? Yeah, that there's a there's a lot to that question. Me personally, like I'm a pretty stressful person. So if it wasn't this project causing me stress, I would have stress from something else. I just I just I recognize that that's who I am. But I will admit that this particular project has been more stressful and um, you know, definitely a a strain on on our relationship to some extent. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Now, here is Kathleen. This episode is sponsored by Copperleaf Financial. Held to the fiduciary standard of care, Copperleaf develops a financial plan specifically for you, integrating every aspect of your life. They offer comprehensive wealth planning services, including sustainable investing solutions. To find out more, visit copperleaffinancial.com. Today, I am here with Lauren Keen Amon. She is the creator of Adulting Easy Blog, and she has a podcast by the same name. Uh, she actually started a blog site called realadultingiseasy.com as a repository for knowledge while she was educating herself about personal finance. And then her first blog kind of grew from there. She's married to Eric Amon, who is a fire protection engineer. He has a background in mechanical engineering, so he shares that with my husbands. And together, they have a passion for real estate. Today, we are going to be talking specifically about uh, renovating a 119-year-old bed and breakfast in Tarpon Springs, Florida. I want to welcome you both to the podcast today. Thank you so much for having us, Kathleen. And we're right on brand here. We are in the home right now. So if you hear any hammering or drilling, uh, we have to apologize. The renovation is happening as we speak. Love that though. That's great. So you are moving forward with this project. I have to tell you before we get into learning a little bit more about your project, that there's two things that came to mind before our interview for me. One is that, you know, one of my favorite movies, and I'm going to date myself, is called The Money Pit. It's a 1986 movie. Uh, so I truly am a Gen Xer. And it starred Tom Hanks and Shelley Long. And it was about a renovation and how it can lead to couples and conflict and, and hijinks. <laughs> and so when I went on in my own life with my own husband to do a renovation, uh, we actually looked a lot like the money pit. We got out of it on the other side. Uh, we survived. Our relationship was stronger, but it made me really curious as to how you two are handling this project, both in terms of uh, stress, as well as the financial impact and the conversations that you need to have. So why don't we just start with one of you or both of you telling me a little bit more about the project and, and why the heck you would decide to renovate a home that is 119 years old? Yeah, great question. And we sound crazy, but here we go. 
So we decided actually to move for three different reasons. Um, one, we needed a home with two offices early in 2020, even actually before the coronavirus, we were both working from home and sharing an office so we could have a guest room. And so we decided that that really wasn't working anymore. We wanted to have two offices as well as a guest space. Um, the second reason we wanted to be able to walk out our front door at the end of the workday, we felt really cooped up both working from home. So we wanted to relocate so we had more to do right after the workday that didn't involve getting in the car and getting into rush hour traffic and things like that. And we also wanted our primary residents to have uh, the potential to generate income. So we wanted to do what some people call house hacking, where you live in one part of the property and rent out other parts of it. So for those three reasons, we ended up deciding on Tarpon Springs. And then from there, once we met those criteria, it just happened to be a home that needed a lot of work. Eric, anything to add to that? Yeah, no, I think just stressing on that point, like we didn't necessarily seek out a fixer up. It just so happened that the, the house that met the previous criteria that Lauren mentioned was a fixer-upper. I actually remember the initial conversation we had when she came to me and she's like, hey, how about we move? I'm like, what? No. <laughs> like my initial response was, no way, we're not moving. We literally, we had been in our previous house, what, two and a half, three years? Three years, right about three. Three years. And when we bought that home, we both commuted to work. And that particular home was perfectly in the middle of each of our offices. Yeah, it was 19 minutes to his work and 19 minutes to my work. It was actually perfect. But then again, we weren't working anymore. So I slowly kind of brought him around to the idea. I think it was over breakfast, actually, one morning. We weren't working in those offices anymore, right? We were, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, initially I really fought it, but um, I think I, you know, Lauren's got a way of convincing me. <laughs> it only took like one conversation and he was on board. With at least, I mean, we can all, we figured we could always look and not buy, right? Well, and it's interesting because I think a lot of couples go out looking for a house, have a criteria, and you don't really know till you get out looking what's going to happen, what those conversations are going to be between you, and also what house you're going to fall in love with. I know for myself and our project that got a little tricky, it was a hundred-year-old home as well, and I just fell in love with the charm of it. So I'm curious with you two, has the dream or you know, the idea of doing this together once you had that conversation and made that decision, has the dream matched up with reality or, or what has that process been like for you? Great question. And yeah, definitely when we first felt, saw the home, we were, I could see the, I can envision it fixed up and everything like that. And we're just starting to see everything come together now. And I do believe the home is the home itself is matching up with expectations. It really, truly is going to be beautiful. As for the process itself, we were naive in, in that we thought we were going to hire an overall contractor and he or she was going to manage the project and all of the subcontractors. And we've done more managing and handholding than I personally thought we would. And Eric probably has a different take on that because he he's an engineer, so he works on projects. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in in my experience in larger commercial projects, like your contractors are, are more accountable to deadlines and to getting things done and getting things done correctly. And, and so far in this experience, it's, you know, handholding, babysitting. I mean, are they here when they say they're going to be here? Did they do the job correctly? Did they cut any corners? Did they cover our beautiful floors? You know, did they damage something? Did they clean up their mess? It's just, I thought the general contractor was going to take 
more of a, a of a hold on the project and, and be here actually quite frankly more often and um and really manage the subs but we found ourselves in the position where we're doing a lot of that a lot of that work mm-hmm. one of the things i want to jump in at eric is is the idea that your engineering background must be helpful and also i think anyone who does construction who's that that has done construction or renovations can tell you that more often than not you're surprised by things such as the general contractor not showing up every day or the team not showing up every day. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, part of it, I think, is the culture of the industry. And I don't want to get us too off track or be, you know, I clearly have a bias because we lost a large amount of money uh, Mm -hmm. when our contractor uh, just left and abandoned the project. So I don't have a great view of contractors. I'm sure there's a lot of great ones out there. Um, But the process of like, you know, managing the day-to-day, Lauren and Eric, for you to be checking the work and and doing that as well. You know, one of the things that you look at or that I look at is usually is how often do people do renovations and what's the financial stress? Because as a couple, talking about money can be complicated as it is. Now, I am going to put you on the spot because I was going to say I wasn't, but I'm actually am putting you on the spot. So I'm curious with each of you on a scale of one to five, and let's start with Eric five being the highest, what level of stress do you experience because of this renovation? And is that level of stress the same as your financial stress or is it different? So what do you think, Eric? Yeah, that there's a, there's a lot to that question. Um, me personally, like I'm a pretty stressful person. So if it wasn't this project causing me stress, I would have stress from something else. I just, I just, I recognize that that's who I am, but I will admit that this particular project has been more stressful and um, you know, definitely a, a strain on on our relationship to some extent. Also, with my stress, I feel like it's kind of in waves. So there'll be points where I'm like super high strung. I'm like, we got to get this done. We got to get this done. We're gonna miss this deadline. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do that. And it would be a five. And then there's other times where I'm like, okay, we're 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 good. We're gonna get through this. And it's like a one or a two. It's kind of on the back burner. I don't think it's ever a one. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your answer, Lauren? I think right now I'm at about a three. We definitely have gotten better at living in chaos and rolling with things a little better, Mm -hmm. I would say, through this. Um, But I'm the same way. There are moments where I'm at a five. I I would say, upon reflection, luckily we haven't both been at a five at the same time, I would say. Yeah. Thank goodness. (laughs) That's the beauty of marriage. Often, and I talk about this in some of the work that I do with financial advisors and with couples is if we balance each other out, it's like we're a living, breathing organism as a couple. And often what will end up happening is if you're not both at a five, that that bodes well, right? Because you can help each other uh, kind of calm down, deep breathe, whatever you need to do. Or if you're at a one and you should be maybe at a two or a three because we need to get something going, that person who's a little bit more stressed can be helpful. So I, I really do think it's it's something that is challenging for couples, but I also think it may be something that can bring couples closer together. Now, in terms of the stress, is it more deadlines like Eric talked about for you, Lauren, or is it more financial stress or a little bit of both? So for the financial stress with me, obviously with the, my adulting is easy site and podcasts, and I'm working on a, I have a finance business finance degree. I'm working on a personal finance graduate certificate. Uh, My stress and money stress financial, they're always going to be pretty linked. So I, I can't really separate the two of those out from 
from the financial perspective, obviously it is disconcerting to see your bank account going down over time. However, when we bought the house, we really did um, do a pretty good job of getting quotes up front. And we also negotiated the price down by about 50,000 um, based on the inspection and things like that. So um, we are gonna be about 15% over budget, but truly it's because of choices that we are making. For example, um, getting a nicer fence or getting more mature trees in the yard than we initially planned. So financially, it's hard to see the bank account going down, but thank goodness we are pretty much right on budget in terms of our spreadsheet. Yeah. And I'd like to add to that too. I don't know that we can necessarily separate schedule and budget because or financial stress because every month that passes and this project isn't completed, we're losing potential uh, rental income. So, I mean, we had a plan to start renting out in what it was in this, this November, month. November, yeah. Um, and now that's not going to happen. So, I mean, we've lost a, a month of income. Yeah. So that's a good point because just a little background on the house. It's like a three bedroom, two and a half bath home. And then there are two vacation cottages, vacation rental cottages in the back. So um, we were until last week living basically in the back. We moved into the house, but there is still work going on. And there needs to be work now done to the back units. So that's a great point, Eric, that, you know, we're losing, uh, you know, maybe around a hundred bucks a day on potential rental income or so, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. So that, um, it sounds beautiful. The property sounds beautiful. And in terms of, I think in the long run, what I'm hearing is that you're making some choices in the long run that's going to pay off in the short run pain of losing that potential rental income. Uh, offsets that. Now, it is clear that you two have had conversations about money and about this project. So I would love to know what those conversations entailed and how that's been helpful to both of you and to your marriage as you sit here right now, knee deep in the middle of the project. Yeah. Well, obviously, as we talked about before, part of the reason we literally bought the home was financially motivated, right? Over time, we've become more and more financially minded, which started with, you know, books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Your Money or Your Life, and then onto the bigger pockets, real estate books. And we really started to get our why in place. And that's retiring early. We don't know, we don't have a date or anything like that. And we're certainly not like the fire movement where we live off of almost nothing so that we can really live when we retire or anything. But we wanted to turn our home into at least somewhat of what um, you know, Robert Kiyosaki calls an asset with that's actually generating money rather than we're just spending money on it. So we've made really conscious decisions and had a lot of conversations about the importance of not over-improving the home. And we also have negotiated hard on the price. We get a lot of contractor quotes. So, um, and all along, like I said, we've had our spreadsheet to keep us on track. So we definitely have been doing a lot of check-ins with the budget and um, that way, at least if we are going over budget, doing things like putting in a vinyl fence that will last a lot longer than a wood fence, which we might've originally thought we might get and budgeted for, um, they're informed decisions and we're making them together. So what happens when it doesn't go well? Like you aren't on the same page, even if it's short term, like as a couple, how do you manage that? Cause it's bound to come up in life and in marriage. And certainly when you're renovating an old house. Well, Lauren makes the call. <laughs> <laughs> I like you, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the contractors will be like, where's the boss? You know, yeah, um, yeah. 
Well, well, I learned pretty quickly on I uh, not to make a decision without getting Lauren's uh, sign off on it. Yeah, and it's not like it's not like we have a big blow up about it. We just have to go back to our why, right? Does this help us in our goals? Are we doing improvements to the home that will also add equity to the home? You know, um, I would yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Well, and, and, and what comes to mind for me is the idea that when you are renovating a home or even buying a home, it can be so emotional because we get emotionally attached to what it might look like, what it might be, you know, what place we might be in. And so it sounds like, Lauren, your role, and I'm not saying, Eric, you get to the more emotional part. I'm just saying, Lauren, your role seems to be like, okay, let's get back to the spreadsheet. Let's get back into our, what I call your rational mind. Um, because I, what I find is that when people are too much in their emotional mind when they're doing a renovation, that that's where the budget can go crazy. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you have a nice balance of figuring out how do we stay on track and how do we make mindful decisions. Now, talking about money like you do, you obviously as a couple will show up on a podcast called Breaking Money Silence, which is not what every couple would do, especially in the middle of a renovation. Uh, so it sounds like you might engage in financial conversations regularly anyway. Do you think that ability to talk about money has been helpful in this process? And if so, what are the tips that you might offer other people listening in today that are either considering a project like this uh, or, you know, might want to throw it out at dinner one night to their partner and say, hey, I've always wanted to renovate a hundred year old home. Here's what I learned on Breaking Money Silence. Um, yeah, we talk, we definitely do talk about money probably pretty much daily. It's, we're both very passionate about it. I'm a little more passionate because, you know, I, I just, I've always liked finances. And actually when I met Eric, I kind of first started talking to him about emergency savings and things like that. And he, and then he in turn got me into the bigger pockets books. And so because this is not our first house at all, this is my third primary home. And then we have a duplex as well. We do keep a lot of, we do keep a lot of the emotion out of it and make it, you know, as logical as we possibly can. Anything to say about that until we, t before we talk about tips for people? Um, no, I was kind of already going towards the tip route. I was thinking of items. And, and I mean, I'll, I'll go ahead then. Um, my first one, and, and it might be kind of obvious, but definitely allow for contingency in your project. I mean, unknowns and, and obviously timeline. I mean, that's huge. I mean, it's never the budget you think it's going to be, and it's never done in, on in the schedule you, you want it to be done on. Yeah. And from a relationship perspective, I would say um, divvy up the responsibilities between yeah. you, make a, make a decision up front who is going to handle which team I'll say. So I communicate with the, the general contractor the most and Eric handled the roof and we didn't get into this, but that was that roof contractor was going to be our overall contractor. And we did have to let him go and find a new one midway. And so I communicate with this, um, with this contractor, Eric handles, he handled the structure when we did that. He handles mm -hmm. um, all of the yard um, stuff, the fence, everything like that. So when you divvy up responsibilities, it just makes things a lot easier. And then you don't have to go through a decision-making process every time something comes up. It's pretty obvious whose job it is um, to handle it. And then- Yeah, to that point, divvying up responsibilities. So like you'll largely be responsible for selecting the paint colors, selecting the mm -hmm. tile, stuff like that. Whereas I'll go out and 
I built a deck in the backyard or I've replaced a toilet or whatever. So yeah, four toilets. Well, yeah, two so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah, I, I pretty much am in charge of the design and, um, you know, also have done a lot of the unpacking and I do the decorating and things like that. Furniture. Um, yeah, furniture too. Hmm. And as we go as we go along with the responsibilities, some of that also means keep a, li- keep a running list of to do's and questions for contractors and subcontractors we didn't do enough of this. And so just a small example, we uh, moved in over the weekend and we realized, oh, we need an outlet here. And the electrician's already done and things like that. So it's like, well, now we have to ask them to come back and put an outlet in a specific wall. So if, if you keep a really good list and keep organized, also then you don't have to be talking to each other about the project all the time and also calling the different contractors or subcontractors for every little thing. Well, yeah, that's another thing I was disappointed in comparing it to a commercial project is we have running Excel sheets of action items and we have regular meetings to go over these. And we've never had a standing meeting with our general contractor. And I think that was a big miss. Mm-hmm. I think that's something we should have requested early on and made a requirement of, of our contract is that every single week, Monday morning at 830 or whenever, we have a call even if it's 15 minutes and we run over all the items and, and check in on progress and budget and everything. And that just, you know, that, that just added to stress, these unknowns um, mm-hmm. working with this guy, but yeah, I love, I love that idea. I mean, these are great concrete tips and I, I love the idea of having a regular meeting. If you can get a contractor to agree to that, um, because I think there are so many little moving pieces. The other piece I really like is the sharing of responsibilities, because when I've talked uh, to other couples who are doing uh, renovations or building a home, often it becomes one person feeling put upon as opposed to both of them working as a team. And it sounds like you two uh, work as a team pretty well and are able to kind of uh, figure out how do we do this Uh, together. Are there any, like, if you had to think of one thing that you would say to couples to not do when you are engaged in a renovation project (laughs) as a couple, what would it be? I mean, is there one not to do? Well, it's, it has to do with have your goals at the beginning of the project. And then if you kind of document that really well, that's like what we have. We have our spreadsheet. We have our list of things. That way you don't make decisions on the fly along the way that might be detrimental, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. So the idea that you know what you're shooting for, you've had that conversation and are agreeing for that vision together before you get into all the nitty gritty that is involved in this project. Yeah. It's like an organization has a mission statement and core values. So whenever you try to make a decision, you go back to those and you reference those and you make decisions based off of those. So it's the same idea for a project. You have your overall mission statement and your goals. So any little decision along the way, you reference those and base it off of those. Yeah. Also, I would say don't stay away from the actual property for very long either. Mm. Living here, although it's been stressful at, at times, although I'll be on client calls and have to be like, hey, sorry about that hammering that you're hearing. Um <laughs> You know, although we have we've had issues with things like that, there are things where, you know, a plumber will run a pipe a certain way up the side of the house. And Eric's like, don't do it that way. (laughs) You know, like, whereas if we wouldn't have been there that day, we might have caught it two or three days later if we were to say stop by the property if we weren't living here. So I would say, you know, don't don't take for granted that people are going to do things how you would do them either. But to that point, I also wonder, would our general contractor have been more hands on had we not been here? 
because there's often he relies on us to meet someone, let someone in. And if we weren't here, I mean, he would be the responsible person, I would, I would assume, to be here and, and tell, uh, tell the, the guy dropping off the dumpster where to put the dumpster. But instead, we get assigned this responsibility because he knows we're here all the time. Yeah, so. maybe, but I just, I don't think you can, always, I don't, I don't want to micromanage people, but I also don't think you can assume that people are going to do things the way you want to do them. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm hearing, though, is the, is the goal setting. And then the don't is really about just staying on, don't, uh, I don't want to say abandon the project, but some people have, have this dream of I'm going to do this and I'm going to go vacation or live somewhere else and I'm going to come back and it's all done. <laughs> and I would advise from what you two are saying, my own personal experience and a bunch of other people that I've talked to about this, that being there and having the workers accountable to you is really important. Um, so there is, you know, there's so much going through my mind and this podcast goes so quick. I do want to just wonder out loud with you two if you would ever write a book about how to do this, because it sounds like as a couple, you are doing this from a very business oriented way inside a marriage. And it's really interesting to me, your approach. What are your thoughts on that? Writing a book together about it. I would say we still have so much to learn about it. That's what I would say. I mean, we we obviously are are, are going through this, but there's a lot of ideas we have. Um, you know, we went over a few of these with you, but some things we didn't do, like the keeping of the law. I would love to go through another project and actually try these methods and prove them before we, you know, I know we're, we're giving some advice on this podcast, but before we truly write a book and, you know, yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Of course, the engineer wants to like test everything out. Um, <laughs> Well, you know, Eric does try, does sometimes suggest I write some sort of book about things. I'm not sure if we'll ever get to that point for now. You know, we have, I have the real adulting is easy website where I write the tips that come up for like from just person, general personal finance perspective. And there's some real estate in there. And then we have a specific site that is for this project and for the vacation rentals where we document every project one by one and post pictures and blogs. So maybe someday we'll be able to look back and put a bunch of that together into a book or we probably could come up with an outline pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I always like to assign books to people just know as an author, uh, I tend to have that habit, but I would have loved to have read your book. Now, before we end, I want to know what is one thing, and try to keep it to a couple of words, what is one thing, Eric, that you have learned about Lauren during this process that was a surprise? So, Okay, well, I'm going to fail at your keeping it short, but when we first walked the property, it was... Um, I, I couldn't see the end goal. I, I was like, no way, this is terrible. This is, I can't, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. There's no way, but she's really impressed me and surprised me with the vision. She's got an amazing, uh, amazing eye for, for opportunity and, and to see the potential in a project. Oh, thank you. Great, that's nice. And Lauren, what's the biggest surprise that you've learned about Eric during this process? So I learned, it's a little silly. I learned he's really particular about lighting. <laughs> and so, but so that's kind of the silly thing in the kitchen. He was really, really specific about the temperature of the lights, like a little more yellow than white and putting them under the cabinets. And we have some glass front cabinets and they're in there. And, and that is not something that I would have probably thought of and contributed significantly to the beautiful design of the kitchen. Yeah. So, and there's been multiple examples like that where although like he said i have pretty good vision i can i can visualize what something can look like i can visualize where furniture should go in a room and, and a little better than he can but i would not this project would not be turning out as beautiful as it is without those little touches that he has added like the lighting 
Well, I love that. That's a perfect kind of compliment to each other that Lauren is the vision. So the big picture and Eric, not surprisingly with an engineering background is really good at details. And it sounds like together you are really navigating this as best you can. And it's very impressive. So I really am so excited that you would share your process with my listeners. You break money silence with me during this renovation. And so I want to make sure that anybody who's listening in that wants to see pictures, that wants to follow along with the the progress of this uh, project uh, can do so. So Lauren, do you want to share uh, where someone might go to, to learn more about this? Yeah. So the personal finance information, including the podcast, which Kathleen, you also joined. Thank you for that. Can be found at realadultingiseasy.com. And the Twitter for that, again, general personal finance information is at adultingiseasy. This specific property and this specific project is being really well documented on Instagram at Vacation Tarpon Springs, on Twitter at Vacation Tarpon, and um, the website is www.vacationtarponsprings.com. Awesome. Well, it has been so much fun to have this conversation. I hope it's been helpful for you and your process. And, you know, you mentioned that you're in the property right now, but I only heard a hammer once. So I think you guys are doing really good. Yeah, good. Yeah, because it's definitely a 119 year old wood frame home. So I'm, I'm impressed that you didn't hear anything. <laughs> it might have been me banging on that. <laughs> Eric got excited a couple of times. <laughs> well, thank you very much. You guys have a great day. And um, I look forward to seeing how the project unfolds. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. This episode is sponsored by Copperleaf Financial. Held to the fiduciary standard of care, Copperleaf develops a financial plan specifically for you, integrating every aspect of your life. They offer comprehensive wealth planning services, including sustainable investing solutions. To find out more, visit copperleaffinancial.com. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.